Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Uh, we get to go through this uh, incredible passage this morning, um, a culmination of quite a chapter uh, that we've been able to look at. And I want to remind you that this chapter, um, really from start to finish, is sharing the gospel, but it's sharing the gospel implications. And these, this chapter uh, is giving the promises and the riches for those of you who have trusted in Christ. How, it has come a, how your faith has come across to you and the riches that you have because of Jesus. If you have not trusted in Christ, I want to encourage you today to repent of your sins. And when I say repent of your sins, I'm really saying repent of your life. Repent of your life. And, and the reason I say life, it's not that everything that you have done in your life has been wrong. Uh, it's that the idea of rejecting God and saying, I'm going to do my own thing, is the, it, it's, it comes out in all kinds of different areas in your life. And, and I want to encourage you that this idea of repentance is the idea of abandoning your own ways and agreeing with God that he's God, you're not, and that you're going to follow him and you're going to accept uh, the riches of his love even as described today, okay? So I wanted to start out with that for those of you who haven't trusted in Christ or maybe uh, today's a day of repentance for you, okay? Um, t- today we're going to talk about the unstoppable love of God. And how this comes together this morning is the unstoppable love of God, uh, amazing, it's far beyond anything, it's hard to find uh, even examples uh, that we can connect to, uh, the idea of illustrations, but it's also connected to the present fears of life. Do any of you have any fears of life right now? Some of you aren't thinking real clearly this morning, this fall morning. You couldn't come up with any fears. Um, Can I suggest a few? Some of you are better at this. You just didn't want to acknowledge it in your face or even uh, wince a little bit. But how about your health? How about your health? The toxic medicine and food that we're eating right now uh, that we're partaking in and you wonder about what's that going to do to my life? Maybe you think even as we looked at uh, the, uh, the screen here and you see the, the wars happening over in Ukraine and it's interesting that we're, uh, our missions organization that we support, Slavic Gospel, where do they, where, where do they minister? Some of you said Ukraine, right? They do. Russia. Belarus, so they're on both sides, right? They're on both sides, and this idea that they're ministering to both. And uh, make sure as you see those distinctions of nations, uh, and in your mind, uh, that you see politicians and uh, these things as all wicked, as all wicked, and that the people are the ones that are are suffering because of it, okay? Uh, There's kids on both sides. Uh, There's kids that will be... uh, you know, and there's kids over here that suffer the bad decisions of humanity. Uh, maybe there's maybe one of your fears are the schools and society right now. You have kids and grandkids, and your heart is breaking, and you're concerned about what they, uh, how they might be influenced. 
Maybe for you, uh, as you think about the future of this world, you think in terms of political or economic things that are happening to you. Or maybe it's something much more personal. I don't know. But we have fears that come up. And this morning, as we look to God's word, uh, we're going to see the unstoppable love of God. And as you look at uh, the riches that are found because of Jesus, because of God's love for you that he sent his son, um, I want to tell you that this should cause you to rejoice. Rejoice if you've trusted in Christ. If you haven't trusted in Christ, it should make you get out of your seat and say, I need Jesus today. I need Jesus. Um, I want to be as clear as I can be this morning. Um, Our problems aren't economical, political. They're not about uh, what kind of, you know, pandemics or whatever's going on. It's not something wrong with the schools. And these aren't our problems. Our problems are that we've trusted in ourselves and in humanity. We've made our own way. And we've rejected the only one Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, This is what should compel us today. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. Zach already did. He tried to steal my thunder. Um, But we could read this all service long today, and we could see the the goodness of God. Uh, I want to read to you, um, starting in verse 31. We looked at this last week, but uh, I'll start in verse 31. But today we're looking at verses 35 through the end, okay? Uh, chapter 8 verse 31 says this what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring a charge against any charge against God's elect It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, uh, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, uh, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God, I ask that you would uh, deal powerfully in us these moments. The Spirit of God, would you challenge us and and convict us and bring us to repentance if needed. God, I pray that you would help us to see uh, the great majesty of your love, that you Uh, cared for us so much and that your love is so valuable and your love is so um, powerful that it might give us great courage as we seek to live for you in this day, in this time. Uh, God, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I I want to 
just remind you of what we talked about last week, especially if you weren't here. And uh, this is part of an amazing, amazingly rich passage that really shares with us uh, just how amazing it is that God would care for us. And last week we looked at some logical things of the love of God. Now, um, you know, in our world today, uh, songs talk about love, which is really no love at all. Uh, that we have people talking about love is love, that it doesn't matter. Uh, we talk about love in terms of feelings that, you know, kind of come and go. And then we read the Bible and it says that God loves us. And sometimes we attribute this fake, shallow, terrible, fickle love to our Heavenly Father. And I just want to tell you that it's totally different. And last week we looked at really the logic of love, the, the idea that uh, God loves us and there's things that we can point to that is love. And, and last week we looked at verse 31 and it talked about who, who can be against us. So, you know, how, how you know, knowing uh, the life that we live and the things that we have done, how can we know that God loved us? Verse 32 it says he did not spare his only son, his special son. And when you think about God's love, there's, there's one like fact that you should always point to is that God sent his son. He did not spare his son. He didn't just send him, but he sent him to die for you, for you. And, and I, I use the word repentance in, in the um, introduction. And, and the idea of... You need to know how repulsive that must be to God when we reject him. You know, if, uh, if I gave you a present and I, I went, you know, I spared no expense. I went to the dollar store and I got you a present and, um, and I, I got you something. You know, maybe I got you, you know, uh, a pencil box or something important like that. I don't know what else you could buy in the dollar store. It's been a while. Um, but, I, but I got you a pencil box and I got you a pink pencil box and I, I handed it to you and I said, I got this for you. And you said to me, I don't like pink. I wanted a green pencil box. Forget it. The rejection would be a dollar's worth, right? It's the thought that counts, right? But I could get over that. I I can get over that. But the rejection of God's love for you is that he sent his son. And he did not spare his own son for you. And if you say, no, I'll do it myself. No, I got a better way. No, I I know what you want, but I'm not interested I'm not interested. The, the most polite way that you can reject God is an offense to him. He did not spare his own son. And then it goes on to say in the same passage, um, well, it, 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 he said he didn't spare his own son. And then he says, how will, the one who invested in that way, why, how will he not graciously give us all things? You, that's a promise not just for today is love, but for the future as well, Right? How do you know that God will take care of you after you accept him? Well, he gave you a son. And if he invested his son in you, how will he not take care of you the days after that and even into eternity? I want to tell you that God can be trusted. He goes on to say, uh, verse uh, 
33. It says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And we remember that the judge, the judge that sees you as guilty, that sees you as guilty, knows you as guilty, is the same judge that justifies you. What is justification? It's making you, who are not righteous, righteous. It is him at the cost of his son taking you who is unfit for relationship with him and making you right with him. We see that he graciously gives us his son. He's a gracious giver. We see him as a judge that justifies. And then last week we ended up in verse 34 uh, in talking about condemnation. Who is a uh, who, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That he is our present interceder. He, he, he's the one who intercedes for us even now. He's the one who stands making sure that even in our failings that we are his forever. We are right with him. Which brings us to this morning, and, and I want to tell you that uh, if your heart is heavy as you come in this morning, if you're uh, questioning, and, and I want to tell you, I, I think in this passage it's implied that, that the enemy's at work in you, you know, like he's working on you, right? Uh, it might have been a tough, how many of you had a tough time getting to church this morning? There were some uh, things stumbling in the way. Yeah, Bozer household was a little chaotic this morning. And I come to church looking for peace, and it was chaotic here in the sanctuary as I rolled in. Uh, and I, I want to tell you that, that this is, the, this is the, the, the deal. He's working on us. But I, I want to tell you that there is a reason. There's a reason that we cling to our Savior. There's a reason. That's because of his overwhelming love for us. This morning, we're going to look at our current circumstance first. Verse 35, and he asks a question. And remember, we've seen this in Paul in the book of Romans. He's, he's trying to connect logic. It's kind of like a lawyer asking questions, leading you along a path, causing you to think. It's good to think, by the way. Uh, I know sometimes uh, in our world, I don't want to think about it. Just give me the answer. Uh, Paul's not doing that in the book of Romans. He's taking them on a journey, a thinking journey. And as we see this, verse 35, he says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? For those of you who have trusted in Christ, there's a question afterwards that comes up and the enemy wants to use it on you. And does God still love you? Does God still love you? And, and you say, well, if we're talking logic, no, he doesn't love us. Because there's nothing to love, right? There's failure, not just before salvation, but after salvation. Does God love you? And the question that comes up in Paul's mind and he's sharing with his readers in the book of Rome to the church at Rome, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is there anyone or anything that can separate us from the love of Christ, right? Is his love just temporary, just temporary. Um, that, that should be a question for you. Um, and that is something that comes up. Uh, I think most of us have had a day, if not a season, if not uh, years, where we've trusted in Christ and then 
something comes up and we wonder, does God still love us? And this is what Paul's getting at in this uh, section. The current circumstance. And as you look at it, I, I want you to hear from God this morning, from his word. You look like a group that needs to hear from God this morning. Right? That's important. That's why we're here, right? Hear from God. I've heard all the opinions. I've listened to my own crazy thoughts. Here we go. Uh, Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he goes on a list. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As we look down this list, let's go down through it. First of all, he says separate. And and I I want you to get this word. I want you to get this word. It's a word of division. It's the idea that something is together and then it's apart. And maybe this is too heavy to say this morning, but the same word is used in a different context for divorce. For divorce. And the question that should come up, don't take this too far, is that can you get a divorce from God? Can you get a divorce from God? Is there this thing where God says, I'm tired of you. I'm done with you. It's over. Forget it. I'm going to go find someone new. And the question that Paul brings up is, you know, can I be separated? Can I be divided? Is there somehow this separation? So much so it's used in the case of divorce. The big question Uh, For me is between me and the Lord, can we be separated? And he asked the question, not just separated, but separated because of these situations, because of these things. It doesn't just say uh, irreconcilable differences. It says, what, what about this situation? What about this? What about this? What about this? So let's go through them. The first one he says Uh, can this separate us from God? Shall tribulation, the word tribulation is the idea of of trouble or strong pressure. And and I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what that would be for you. How many of you, uh, when life gets tough, you start crying or like you feel like you want to buckle, right? You just go, I don't like it. I don't like it. And and this idea that life is just kind of pressing down on you, pressing down on you. And and when when life presses down on us, there's this temptation to say, hey, God, um, it's getting a little tough down here. If you don't come through, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try something else. My marriage is a little too tough right now. I'm going to try something else. My kids are a bit much right now. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to run. Uh, I'm going to take off. Uh, You know, know, it's too hard to take life just as it is. I'm going to head to the bottle. It's just too hard, so I'm going to uh, do some things that are illegal and maybe have the thrill of doing uh, what I want when I want to. There's this pressure, and he says, shall tribulation... Shall the troubles of this life, the pressures of this life, be able to separate me from the love of God? 
he says tribulation and then he he follows it up and there's a sense of he's making a list and some of these go together some of them do not but he, he says tribulation or distress the word distress i think in other translations hardship the idea of distress maybe uh, has a distinction from tribulation is inward distress, right? That's not the outward pressure. It's, it's what's going on inside of you. Some of us get pretty wound up, right? Uh, you, you know it because you struggle sleeping at night, right? You, you're struggling with things and you're hashing over things in the night watches, right? Like you think clearly in the night, right? Uh, we always, always come up with dumb ideas when the lights go out. I don't know why that is. But uh, this, this idea of an inward turmoil, the things that are bothering us inside. He says uh, tribulation, but also distress. And probably these two are coupled together in a similar way. Tri- tribulation from that which is outside or that which is inside. I want to tell you that some of you are struggling for things that you grew up in, things that you've thought about, things that hurts that have happened, and you say, I'm fine, but inward, inside, you're just all wound up, and it's all this turmoil, and you ask the question, can that which is inside of me separate me from the love of God, his care for me? What Christ has done on my behalf, will this somehow separate me? He says the tribulation or distress or persecution. Persecution, what is that, right? We're in Rome. We're in Rome. They're a church. A church is a persecuted church. It's a church that is not, uh, is a minority. They are not thought of as the pillars of society. They're the outcasts of society. And there's persecution. There's targeting because of their faith in Jesus. And some of you know that, right? You know that in your own family. It's uh, snide comments. It's, it's the idea that they talk down to you and, or worse, even ostracize you. Should it be tribulation or distress or persecution? And I want to tell you it was the ever-present reality for the church at Rome. It was the ever-present reality. They knew about persecution because it happened all the time. In fact, as they gathered, it it wouldn't surprise me that as part of their time together, it would be, what happened to you this week? Well, I lost my job. Well, I got got beaten up. Well, I got taken advantage of. People stole from me. I got disowned by this family member. And and these are the things. And, And what does pressure do, right? These things that I'm listing, what does pressure do? Is uh. You come to faith in Jesus and then you get persecuted. It causes you to do what? Should I really trust in Jesus? Or should I still trust in Jesus? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? He says, or persecution or famine. Famine. Lack of food, right? Lack of food. This idea of famine is probably not talking about like a famine of a nation, but a a famine of a family, right? The the idea that you personally do not have food. And when you get hungry or you see your family hungry, many times it causes people to say, well, desperate times, desperate measures. Maybe I don't care that much for God anymore. Maybe uh, I see that God doesn't love me. 
because he hasn't provided food for me. Famine. He adds to this probably one similar. He says, or nakedness. And it's not just the idea of not having clothes. It's most likely the idea of not having uh, money for clothes. It's the idea of not having the coat or not having the the blanket or not having um, the shoes for your feet because you don't have the money. Why don't you have the money? It's because you're a follower of Christ and you're ostracized and you're you're set apart and you can't have. And, And so there's these things, these questions that come up, the current circumstance or current circumstances, famine or nakedness or danger or danger. Um, in the U.S., especially, uh, I think, of parents, myself included, grandparents as well, um, you're always thinking about what's dangerous, right? Right? Should you do something or not do something? It matters how dangerous it is, right? And, and there, there's a question in a world, even as we've talked about persecution, is it dangerous to be a Christian, and some of you are saying, well, no, no, I'm fine. Like, I don't feel threatened at all. Might be coming, right? And, and, and what happens and, and what's difficult about our situation right now is that it's so comfortable where we are right now that we're like, God, I'm with you. You love me, of course. You know, your love is important to me, and of course it's important. But what happens when it's dangerous to respond to the love of God? What happens? Will it separate us? Will God abandon us? Physical risks um, because of faith. And then he, he uses this last one, or sword. The word sword is makaira. It's a, a killing sword. It's the question of how long it is. You know, it probably was one like this. It was this sword that Peter you know, was going to defend the Lord sliced off an ear with. It was that kind of sword, right? But it was for killing, killing an animal, killing a person. And it's the idea of stabbing. And he says, what if it comes to that, that one would come after you as a believer in Jesus Christ with the sword, the sword, the danger of death, the danger of death because of faith. And then he, he, he quotes from the translation of Psalm 44, 22. He says, as it is written, he's po- pointing back to the Old Testament through Psalms. He says, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And this idea is danger of death all day long, right? Um, it wasn't just a half hour in there that was dangerous, it was all day long, they were in danger of death, and this picture of sheep to the slaughter, uh, they knew well about the animals being killed, and they envisioned themselves, they saw themselves as God's people, as the sheep being slaughtered all the time, all day long. And these are the current circumstances. And I, I want you to think and picture yourself in Rome, in Rome. As a believer in Jesus Christ, and you're meeting there on a Sunday morning or Saturday night, whenever they met, and as you find yourself pressed in on, and you thought about the the pains of life that you have encountered, and you're in Rome, and you're a follower of Christ, or maybe you're a follower of Christ in Kiev, 
today as you you met or in the last hours as you met and and you you know there's danger there's danger and and you know maybe there's rubble and there's places you used to meet maybe you're a refugee and you're you're not living where you used to live and you're fearful of what the future is and you're wondering about these things maybe you're in moscow and uh living in moscow this huge city and you're realizing that war is imminent or happening and how this is going to affect you. And you see your brothers or, or your dad leaving, uh, being forced into the military. Or maybe you're in some other country. You're in Jakarta or Tokyo or Delhi or Shanghai or Istanbul. And you're in these huge mass of people and, and you're trying to figure out what it is to walk by faith and to respond to the love of God. And you realize the world is big around you and not agreeing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're asking the question, do I go and do I just blend in to these huge cities? Or do I respond to the love of Christ? Or maybe uh, you live in New York City or the city of angels, Los Angeles. Sorry, Dodger fans. Or maybe God has you in the great city of Tehachapi. And you're asking the question, in these current circumstances, what about the love of Christ? What about the love of Christ? Can anything separate me, bring division, bring a divorce, if you will, between me and my God, his love for me? Paul uh, gets to verse 37 and he gives the current conclusion. And I say current conclusion, not that he would change, but the, the reality right now, right now. It's not something that will happen in the future. It's something that is present right now. It's the current conclusion. And it is the conclusion. You say, how do you know the end? Well, he's told you the end. He's given you the end. And so as we look at this this morning, I, I want to tell you that Paul had a current conclusion that he lived with. And it was encouraging to him. And it was uh, fuel in his tank. It was uh, courage for the day for him. The current conclusion. What was it? Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And... What we get in our minds as we read this, for, for, for one, he's like saying, no, it's, it's not something that changes. It's not something that changes because of current circumstances. And I want to tell you that uh, this is talking about God's love for you, for you, not necessarily your love for him, right? We're going to get to that because I think that there's a response that should happen because of God's love for you. But, but know this, that as he looked at this list, he said, no, no. In these things, these things that I've talked about, there is nothing, there's nothing that changes his love for me, his love for me. No, no. And, and I want to say it this way. It's a win now. And I'd say it even differently. It's one now. 
It's already been secured. It's already been finished. He says all these things. And what would you say about that list of the things that he mentioned? Was it the good things or the bad things? The bad things, right? It's all the difficult things. It was all the things that are, are making life difficult for us. And it says, no, in all these things, we're going to come back to this, but uh, think about all the things in your life right now, all the things. Some of you are struggling with some big stuff. Some of it, you've done it to yourself, right? Uh, you're trying to unwind and trying to, and, and I want to tell you, repent, right? This is the first step. As, as we look at these things, we're struggling and we're, we're wondering about the present current condition, the pressures of those. And, and he says, no, no, there's a current conclusion. What is it? In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Conquerors. Now, uh, I think other translations say victors or the, the idea of winning the victory, securing the victory. Do you want to be a winner or a loser? Some some of you say, well, you know, I don't, you know, you're, you've been to a t-ball game and you say, well, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Okay. We're not playing t-ball anymore, right? Uh, Winning, winning. Do you want to be a winner or a loser? And sometimes you say, well, it's not that big of a deal to be a winner. Okay. You want to be a loser? No, I don't want to be a loser. I want to tell you. And t-ball, it's no big deal, even sports or board games or, you know, whatever it is that you're chess, if you're a big chess player, if you're a big chess player, Caleb wants to play you. Um, but uh, uh, you, you think of being a winner or a loser and, and you say, well, you know, in games and stuff like that, it's not that big of a deal. But when it comes to the issue of the love of God, living in this world, being in relationship with him, I can't afford to lose, it's too big of a deal. And it says, Paul's concluding. He sees how all this comes together and what he says, no, in all these things, these, all these difficult, bad things, we are now more than conquerors. We are the victor. And there's this picture, and maybe we don't get it. Um, can you imagine if, if we were in ancient Rome and what was Rome known for? What was one of their best things that they did? Conquer the world right? Uh, They just went from city to city and they go, "Ah, if you want to fight, we'll wipe you out. But if you don't want to fight, just lay down your stuff. We're going to take you over. We're going to make you a Roman city here. And we're going to take the stuff we want. We're going to give you positions and stuff. But we win. We win. And they went from city to city to city to city. And this is what they did. Sometimes fighting, sometimes just taking them over. And he says, Paul says, we are more than conquerors. And there's this picture in ancient times where there would be a parade after this and the king would be up on his chariot, they were holding him or pulling it through horses and the, the, uh, the, all the armies would be going with him and sometimes they'd be holding like things that they had stolen, right? The, uh, the victory possessions and it would be all about being the winners, the conquerors. And I want to tell you that as you come in this morning, you may not feel like a winner. You may not feel like the one who is the victor. And I want to tell you, that doesn't hinge on your feelings at all. It hinges on whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Because if you do, there's nothing that can separate you. And it places you as one, the current conclusion, the, the thing that is true now and the thing that is true forever is that you are a conqueror. But wait, there's more. He doesn't just say you are conquerors through him who loved you, who loved us. What does it say? He says we're more than conquerors, more than conquerors. Um, you talk to kids after Saturday, after they've gone to their game, and say, how'd the game go? We killed them. We destroyed them. What was the score? 35 to 5. And it was baseball. And they, we mercied them. We mercied them. That means the moms couldn't take it anymore, right? We destroyed them. What, he, what his picture here is this, that uh, more than just a conqueror, you're a super conqueror. That it was not even close. It was a demoralizing victory. It, it was overwhelming to your advantage. Why? And, and it's interesting that he says that because if those things were happening to you, if you were being persecuted, if you're being uh, squeezed and the distresses of life are getting you, you go, I don't know if I'm going to win. I don't know if I'm going to win. And he says, no. In those things, in those things, you're more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Uh, I want to point you to something. If you want to look up uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We went over this two, three weeks ago now. And I want to show you something. Great, uh, one of the other great verses that really resonates with us as God's people And verse 28 says this, and we know uh, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you skip down to where we are now, he says, know in all these things. I I like how Paul's talking here. He's saying all things, all things. Um, Sometimes those of you who want to be precise, you don't like when people just say things. Or the stuff, right? The stuff. And as Paul's talking here, he's saying all the things. Verse 28, he says all the things work to good. And you go, and it caused me to think, as we went over all the things last time, it's all the things, right? It's, is it the good things? Yeah, because those are part of all the things, right? Is it all the bad things? Yeah, those are all the things, right? In this passage now, what does he say all the things are? He's just talking about the bad stuff, right? And there's a question for us that, you know, when, when things go our way, what do we say? God's so good. I got what I wanted. I got what I ordered. It was like going to Starbucks and I, I ordered this complicated drink and they got it right and God loves me because I got what I wanted, right? Uh, and so that's part of all the things. But I want to point something out here. When he says all these things, he's looking at the things that we would see as bad. He's looking at those things and he says, in those things, those things, you're more than conquerors. You're more than conquerors. And I want to tell you, through the mess of your life, the difficulties of this day, in those things, 
you are more than conquerors if you've trusted in Christ. That his love is as ever present in those situations, not separated from you as he is in the things that go your way. It's compelling love, isn't it? It's things that uh, get you excited about being his. The current conclusion. I want to make a correction here, and I, I have it in my notes. I just, I think that we're, it's easiest for us to talk about the, the t-ball game, right? Or the, the baseball game, the score, running up the score. We, it's easiest for us to think that basketball, whatever your favorite score is and, or favorite sport is. But, but I, I want to tell you that the, the language here is not a game. It's not a game. It's a war. It's a war. And once again, it's a war you cannot afford to lose. And I want to tell you that. I want to say this. This is why repentance is so necessary. Because you go, well, you know, I just want to be a good person. And I'll try to do what I can. And, you know, if I've sinned, I'll try to be good from here on in. And maybe God will take that as kind of offsetting penalties for the things I've done before. And, like, we'll just get over it, right? And you don't really don't want to be right with God. I want to tell you, I want to tell you that this is not a game. This is not a game. It's a war. A war that you will pay for for eternity if you do not repent and come to Jesus. Which brings us to verse 38. His current, the current confidence that he has. And really the answer for Paul. Verse 38 says this. For I am sure, for I am sure. And once again, he's going to start another list. He's going to start another list of situation. And what is Paul saying? Um, and, and would you listen to Paul if he were here this morning? Uh, so, sometimes some of you are here new and you don't know me that well. And, and, you, and you're sitting there right now and you're asking the question, should I listen to this guy? And no, you know, if you knew me, maybe you wouldn't listen to me more. But um, the, the, the idea here is that we're always questioning whether we should listen to someone or not. Do they know what they're talking about? That's, that's, that's fair. But as you know who Paul is, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Romans. If you, if you study Paul's life, he went on these missionary journeys where he went from city to city trying to plant churches, sharing the gospel and trying to uh, assemble churches, God's people, together. And, and if you look at those, there was some common themes of Paul's life, right? His ministry, he got thrown out of every place, right? He got put in prison and jail and uh, he, he was beaten, he was rejected, and, you know, it wasn't just one bad stop. It was a lot of bad stops. And so when Paul writes about this, he's not saying, um, God told me to write this. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't, I don't see how it makes sense that, you know, that his love would be enough through tribulation. No, Paul's saying, I've been through it. I've been through it. I, I know this to be certain. God has done this in my life. And so he starts off this concluding, um, confident uh, assertion. He says, I'm sure. Why? Because I've lived it. I've lived it. I want to tell you, for those of you who are younger and you find a godly man or a godly woman and they speak of God's goodness through difficulty in their life. Listen, 
Listen, why? Because they've lived it. And you say, well, I'm not planning on living those things. I'm planning on my life being easy through the whole way through. I want to tell you, good luck for you on that, right? It would be better for you to prepare and to see, even if you don't understand it right now, see the testimony of God's faithfulness in others so that you'd be ready for the days that you would struggle as well. So he says, this is current confidence, his answer. He says, I'm sure, I, I know it. What does he know? That neither death nor life, he pairs these up, a few of them, death nor life. And, and when he says death, it's the ultimate fear, right? It's the ultimate fear. Are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid of getting sick? Are you afraid of not having enough food? Are you afraid of uh, you know, being persecuted to the point of death? And, and, and you say, well, yeah, of course I am. Nobody wants to die. Yeah, Paul didn't want to die either. But as you face that, as you face that, and as you wonder about it, uh, he's talking about being separated from the love of God. He says, my ultimate fear of death, not even death, not death, or, or life, or life, not death, nor life. Sometimes uh, uh, it seems easier to die, doesn't it? Because of some of the challenges that you have. They may have been things that you've done to yourself, like I said before, or maybe there are things that are just you living in this time and this age and your situation with your family, with your, uh, the people around you and what's going on. You just say, maybe it just seems easier. You know, life seems hard for me. He says, not death, not life. And then he, he takes things a step further and he's wanting to grab from everywhere of life and he says, nor angels, nor rulers. Um, most people who study the scripture see, see these as those angels that, um, you know, uh, I, I remember there's a bunch of um, movies and television shows that angels are present and it always seems like a happy thing. I want to tell you, if you encountered an angel You'd probably be terrified, right? Even if it was a good angel, right? And he, he puts the idea that probably of good angels, those who are working on your behalf, but also uh, those demons, those demons, the, if they both be present and, and the idea that they were, you would encounter them and they would be active in your life, he says, uh, not death, nor life, nor angels, good angels, nor rulers, bad angels or demons, nor the things present, the present problems, we, we already looked at those, maybe the, those things that are probably presently true. Uh, and there's two pictures there. These are together. No things present, nor things to come. Uh, sometimes we have fears that are present, right? Uh, you, you're laying in your bed in the morning and you're afraid to get up because you know what's on the agenda for today. Those are the present problems present problems. Uh, but, but some of you say, I'm, I'm fine with today. It's, it's my calendar. It's my calendar that's bothering me because there's a date out there. There's a time and, and maybe there's even a, a, a news article or something coming up that I know is there that I'm dreading. And so he, Paul's saying, death, life, angels, rulers, 
nor the things of today, the present things, nor the things to come, the future problems. And and future problems, I just want to say this, how creative can you get? How creative can you get? Because the more creative of a person you are, the better of imagination that you have. Man, you can make some monstrous problems of tomorrow, right? You can freak yourself out royally, right? And I want to tell you that uh, they may or may not be true. Nor things present, nor things to come. And then he says, nor powers, nor powers. He's going to uh, list some things that don't necessarily connect with anything. They're listed one right after the other, nor powers. Uh, this word powers is used in some places for uh, angelic beings, uh, powers of the heavens, but it's also used for powers like armies and kings and kingdoms. And, you know, we're the United States of America, right? Are you afraid of any army coming, marching into Tehachapi? Some of you are saying, no way, I'm not afraid at all. I live in Bear Valley Springs. We have a gate. <laughs> if, if those armies don't have a gate pass, they're not getting in. You've got to be on the list. I, I want to tell you that... Uh, In many countries throughout the world, and you can imagine, once again, if you're living in Kiev and you're wondering, what about the future? What about the tanks? What about the the soldiers? What about our future? And will that be a good future for us? Will we be persecuted? Will we be taken over? And you think about those little churches that are meeting in homes and various other places and wondering about the future. He says, nor powers. You don't have to worry about Putin or Biden or uh, Zelensky or any other. uh, You don't need to worry about it. I want to tell you that's for us too. That's for us too. Um, Powers like armies and kings and kingdoms. And then he says, nor height nor depth. And I I think as he's coming to this, how he's describing this, he's, he's talking about the infinity of space. He's talking about things far beyond the, the idea of to the heights. And whether he's talking about, as he couples this with nor depth, uh, whether he's talking about the sea or a hole in the earth or something you can see, I'm not sure which one you'd be more afraid of, to be in space or to be in a hole five, six hundred feet down or maybe in the ocean that far down too. I don't know which would be more freaky. But you might can be concerned about all those things. And, and, and he says, Paul says, no, not height nor depth. And then he says, etc. right? Nor anything else in all of creation. Use your imagination. Use your imagination. And Paul says, as I've thought through, as I've walked with him, I'm positive, I'm sure. I have uh, this amazing confidence that doesn't come from myself but it comes from knowing the love of God. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do you know that you have this love that you cannot be separated from? It's if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord. 
He's yours. If you've repented of your sins, if you've come to know him, if you've given up on your own way and you've trusted in him. I want to give you three questions, maybe four, as we close our time together. And, and, and you need to not just answer this in the moment, but realize that these need to be answered in the times of struggle as well. To ask yourself and to answer for yourself, will the love of God last? Will the love of God last? Or maybe you could say outlast, outlast, whatever's going on here. Whatever temptation you have, whatever thing's going on, will the love of God last? Because if it's temporary, your response to him should be temporary as well. You know, um, one of the things, it's, it's a struggle. People, people write their own vows these days when it comes to marriage. Why? Because they, they, they want to say something different. Sometimes they just want to be unique, and that's a problem of our culture as well. But, uh, but sometimes they want to put a loophole in there, you know. Uh, those traditional vows that reflect the Scripture are a little rough, a little rough. They seem like they're forever. I don't, I don't. And so they'll say things like, as long as love lasts. I want to tell you that that's the question. Will the love of God last? Because a lasting commitment to him, trusting in him, should only be based upon his love lasting for you. Will the love of God last? Secondly, will the love of God be enough for you? Enough for you. Will it be enough for you? And and when I say, will it be enough for you? um, Will it be enough for you if you're living in Kiev and your house got blown up or your apartment got blown up? Will, Will it be enough for you if, you're persecuted. Will it be enough for you? Uh, it's not will it last, but in like the amount or the value of it, will it be worth it? Will it be worth it in the difficult times, in those things, whatever those things are for you? Will the love of God last? Will the love of God be enough for you? And then thirdly, how then shall you live? What should your response be? Because God is willing to love you in that way. I want to point you back to a verse we went over a long time ago. It's in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. It's a passage that's talking about God's righteous judgment. And in the midst of this, it it gives us this profound, important uh, understanding of what we do with God. And in verse 4, it says this. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? You presume. Do you, uh, other translations talk a little stronger in the idea that do you reject or, or do you shove away or do you ignore 
Or do you presume the riches of his kindness, his forbearance, and his patience? And then it says this, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And this is what I want you to get this morning. For those of you who haven't trusted in Christ or you walked away from him, you need to really think through. God has given his son for you. How are you going to respond to that? And and you say, well, are are you trying to guilt me? No. Trying to show you the kindness of the Lord. And that that would make you get up out of your seat and say, yes. Yes. I want to tell you, for those of you who have trusted in Christ, that for you, what do you do now? You live a life in response to the love of God. Because he loved you so much, what should you do? Love him in return. To live for him, to obey him, to follow him. You say, I got some ideas. Those are terrible ideas. Those are terrible ideas. That's the reason that you needed saving is because of your terrible ideas. You need to follow after Jesus. It's the only right response to him. Father God, thank you for this morning. I pray that for each one here as we, uh, I pray that we are overwhelmed at your love for us, that you loved us so much that that we would see this as um, not even a question because it's so obvious that you've you've lavished this on us. You've you've been rich with us. You've been a gracious giver. And and God, may we we see this as uh, so important as we live our lives, that we would live for you in response to your love for us. God, thank you for a love that keeps us secure, not because of what we have done, but because of your overwhelming goodness to us. God, thank you that you have made us more than conquerors uh, in all these things. Give us courage to live for you. Uh, give us courage to walk with you in these days, rejecting temptation and joyfully serving you. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your church. In Jesus' name, amen.